it feels very irresponsible to just do nothing and just um, let the population kind of deal with it and don't have any like say in it as a force of central control you know and so so this is very scary and and because this is very scary and also because you know like there is an emergency the population in general is looking to like strong leaders that will do something about it and you have to do something and once this ball gets rolling i think you know it's very hard to change course Hi everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Chatter. Before we get started, I just have a few quick messages. First off, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's the best way that you can help us grow. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's going to help us rank higher and get more and more views and therefore bigger and better guests. Don't forget right now you can pre-order my book, To the Moon, The GameStop Saga. There are still four copies that you can get where you can get your name and the message to the apes put in. Are you trying to quit smoking? Maybe perhaps as part of a smoke-free January or simply to make yourself healthier in the midst of a pandemic? Well, today's sponsor is Nin Zero Tobacco Nicotine Pouches. Nin is a cutting-edge synthetic nicotine pouch brand that's setting new standards for nicotine pouches in the US with its lineup of Zero Tobacco Nicotine Pouches. Nin Zero Tobacco Nicotine Pouches are the latest innovation in nicotine technology. Made with TFN synthetic nicotine, Nin pouches are available in two nicotine strengths, 3mg and 6mg, and five signature flavours. That's Citrus Chill, Cinnamon, Cool Mint, Spearmint and Wintergreen. As a truly 100% tobacco-free product, Nin pouches do not contain any tobacco-specific nitrosamines, which are thought to be some of the most potent carcinogens found in tobacco products. Whilst tobacco-derived nicotine often features a strong, pungent odour and taste, synthetic nicotine is virtually tasteless and odourless. On a final note, we must remember that tobacco cultivation, which is commonly very heavily subsidized, can be very damaging to the environment and is often a process that is highly labor intensive, cumbersome and wasteful. So these pouches are better for you and better for the environment. Nin pouches are made for adult users and contain tobacco free nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. You find links for everything in the description below. Hello, and welcome to the Ohio Hauntings and Legends podcast. We will be taking you to places you have never dreamt of going. Hundreds, if not thousands, of haunted and abandoned locations. We will visit with the paranormal from your nightmares and try to understand the unexplained. Ohio alone has 88 counties within our state, and virtually each one of those counties has a story to tell. Ohio's history is bloodstained throughout its history. We will be covering more than just Ohio. We will cover the state you live in, the country. Trust me, there are thrills, chills, and we are upping the fright factor with each new stop we make. We will be traveling the world, the globe, looking for the strange, the mysterious, and the frightening. Mostly, we will find the unexplainable. Many of these episodes are genuine. Others are legend or hearsay. Believe those that you choose or believe in none. It is your choice. Just get comfortable, sit back, Dim the lights and listen.
So, okay. Yeah, uh, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am joined by Bitcoin and privacy advocate Dare Gigi. Um, welcome to the show, man. Hey Josh, thanks for having me. No problem. So, uh, yeah, I want, I've, I've followed you on Twitter for a while um, and then uh, realized you were from Austria, which is a country I'm a big fan of. Um, having, as I mentioned before, we started there, spent, yeah, the best part of probably two and a half, three years of my life there. Um, so it's it's basically a second home. So it's it's a little disturbing to to watch what's going on right now. But um, do you want to? I, I find this a country that people don't really like have many thoughts about or don't really know what to think about it. Does does that make sense? Uh, so do you want to like give people uh, like a I don't know a history, a brief history of like Austria, or or sort of explain to them what the country is like and and the culture and stuff very very quickly? <laughs> sure, I guess. Um, well, Austria is kind of the the small sibling of Germany, so we speak German there as well, and it's sandwiched in um, between a bunch of countries. So uh, I guess it's it's in Europe. It's <laughs> parts of Austria are a heavy transit region, and some other parts are heavy um, tourist regions. So we have some beautiful mountains. It's very good for skiing and those kind of things. So yeah, a, a lot of GDP in some places um, is based in tourism. And of course, Austria has a rich history. It used, it used to be a very, very large empire, the Austrian-Hungarian empire. And um, uh, like in Vienna, for example, there, 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 there was a lot of just... Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you just stroll through Vienna, for example, and also Salzburg and some other places, you can really feel that it has a rich history and a lot of um, amazing stuff in terms of Western culture happened. So we, ha we have a lot of great poets, mathematicians, uh, physicists, and all, all kinds of Austrian names are well known and also composers and like the arts were big in when <laughs> back in the day, so to speak. And today, um, yeah, I, I guess it's just a small country and it's also somewhat uh, like a traditional country, I would say. Um, so with um, still traditional values. And so, for example, there is no large tech sector or anything like that. Like it's not a second Silicon Valley or anything like that. It's <laughs> with those kind of things. It's mostly like 10 or 20 years behind. And yeah, but still, it's a beautiful place. And um, uh, so for, for uh, like, if you want to have a nice skiing holiday in Europe, then uh, I would highly recommend it. But of course, you know, currently everything is a little bit different. Yeah, it is a little different. That's part of why I wanted to, uh, to get you on. So um, what would you describe like the political sort of um, landscape like in Austria before we talk about how, how it's sort of where it's gone in the last two years? Like, how would you have previously described you know, the, the political atmosphere or, or uh, that sort of thing like to people? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we have a multi-party system, so um, it's, uh, it, it, I would describe it in, in general as quite conservative in most places, except for the cities. So we have like two or three big cities and um, they're the more progressive parties, like the, the quote unquote green parties. Um, they reign supreme <laughs> mostly. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's too different from other places in Europe politically, um, or at least it, it wasn't. And I'm, I'm actually like, I, it took me kind of, it took me by surprise that we went so hard 
in terms of um, COVID measures. And we're now leading the charge in terms of um, proposing um, mandatory vaccinations, for example. So I don't really know where this came from. <laughs> I have my suspicions. But yeah, um, it's it, it was not... It, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it as being out of the ordinary politically. Like before COVID hit, it was just a regular small country and regular multi-party system, as it's, um, yeah, the, uh, the usual in in those areas in Europe. Yeah, it's just a pretty standard sort of Western European state. Um, is there a big crypto community in Austria? <laughs> not not that i know of i mean <laughs> is it you <laughs> uh, no th there are some bitcoiners in austria but um it is a very small country and we don't have a big uh like tech sector and um like if you were in bitcoin in the first 10 years or so you're the likelihood that you were in tech as well is very high. Like you, you know, that there was a time where you really had to dig deep and understand the computer science and so on. There were like it, Bitcoin aligns with a lot of um, political ideals as well. So it is very freedom oriented. And so uh, if you're a liberal in the classical sense and know a, a bit of monetary history, and uh, especially if you are into sound money, then uh, you might be interested in bitcoin <laughs> but um yeah i mean again there are a bunch of people that got into bitcoin early in austria so there's a, a small community but it's i don't know you know like it's in the dozens it's not in the hundreds <laughs> okay so yeah i guess i guess yeah well, i want to move on then to, to talk about like what's happened in the last two years with with austria i mean so Right now, what is the situation? The, the, there's currently um, a lockdown of the unvaccinated, right? If you're not, you have to use it to get like a, you have to have a pass for having been vaccinated to get into uh, bars, restaurants, basically anything that isn't like a essential service, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I don't really know when it started, but it was, we, we started very, very early on with um, like forcing the population to show papers to get into basically anything. And this wasn't well enforced, like uh, in other places, you know, like most uh, bars or restaurants didn't even care too much if you showed like any QR code or any test or what have you. Um, it was fine, you know, like any piece of paper would, would get you in. And that's what I think a lot of people did, but just um, like that this was um accepted without any hesitation and uh, of course you know over time the, the restrictions changed so in the beginning it, we had the what was called the 3g rule so you you're either um had covid and are well again or um you um just had a test made in the last like 48 hours or something and the test is negative or um you took the vaccine like as soon as the vaccines hit the the rule included the vaccines as well so this gave you the green light so to speak and you could enter those places and um yeah of course you know like um it also changed over time because um later the app was introduced and there were some people in some places actually scanning their qr codes and and those kind of things and um now in the in the last couple of months it, it got stricter and stricter and uh, kind of more insane to be honest and uh, a, um, a true 
kind of segregation started happening. It's like, you know, you're, <laughs> you're either part of this system and you have a value QR code or you're basically not a citizen, you know, like, and politicians, I mean, we, we, we saw this all over the world, um, that politicians were basically saying sometimes out loud and sometimes in between the lines that if you don't have the value QR code, if you don't want to play this game, then you're basically not welcome. You're not a citizen and we're going to make your life hell. And so, as you mentioned before, you know, like the lockdowns for, um, I mean, we, we had in some places very early on, very strong lockdowns because in some places that were close to Italy, for example. And um, yeah, now um, I think we were one of the first countries or even the first country that introduced the lockdown for the unvaccinated. And that's when I got really uneasy because um, just the, the political rhetoric, it went into overdrive and also the, the anger of the population in, in both camps <laughs> also went into overdrive. So it doesn't matter if you're in the vaccinated camp or in the unvaccinated camp, everyone was just super angry. And of course, you know, those who uh, were still playing by the rules and uh, participating in the QR code system, so to speak, um, they were but they they finally had someone to blame, and they finally had the like the the, the stubborn unvaccinated population to blame. And um, so I just I didn't feel comfortable um, staying in Austria any longer. And so um, uh, me and my family we left. At, that was like end of November, I think. And uh, so I can't even report how the situation is on the ground now since yeah I've been gone for uh, one and a half months or so. And uh, but. What I hear from uh, family and friends that are still there, it's it's still very similar. It's not, um, I think it's not as chaotic and drastic. Um, uh, like, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell. Again, I'm I, I left for a reason, but there, there were a lot of protests, so there was a, a big um, push against this segregation and a big push against uh, uh, mandated vaccinations uh, because again like we were the first country that proposed the law to um uh yeah to <laughs> either you're getting the vaccine or we're gonna put you in jail that was basically the, the first proposal and i think now it's down to a fine but of course you know like it, it depends on how deep you want to dig because what what will happen to you if you just refuse to pay the fine uh, you know like the, the law has only one way to deal with people like that and again it, it will just take longer for you to land in jail so that's that's basically it is the the support for these measures like across the board in terms of the political parties at least apart from the the, the fpo i know um have been sort of quite vocally against this all but um is there is is mm -hmm. the, are the rest of them sort of just on board and fine with all this like is there any any opposition from any of the other parties as to like how far this is going um there isn't if there is one there there isn't a strong opposition i i think what you just mentioned is correct as far as i can tell and um i i, I reduce my exposure to the um politics of it all to a minimum so I, i'm not um absolutely completely up to date but yeah the freedom party is the only party that was very outspoken against it but this is almost meaningless in my estimation because um, and, and it's not because it's a small party. It's just that the, the mainstream narrative is very left to center. And the Freedom Party is um, described by the mainstream media and by the rest of the political parties uh, as basically, an, you know, you would say an, an alt-right Nazi party, basically. So whatever they say, you, you can immediately dismiss. And so they don't have a lot of 
since, since they're so uh, so far outside of the overturn window in Austria, they just it doesn't help to shape the narrative. You know, like you just can't dismiss whatever those politicians say outright because you know they're just basically crazy Nazis. That's how they are portrayed portrayed in <laughs> in in yeah in, in in most of the mainstream media. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, in 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 some cases they're right, and in some they're just yeah brushing it off. It's 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 quite frustrating that they're able to sort of just tar them with this one brush, you know. But yeah. um, anyway, uh, the the thing that really concerns me, I guess, about about where this has all sort of ended up, is that like all the other countries that have sort of like Austria is just the first one with the with the passes so they started like you said with the you had to take a test to get into lots of places um that was like february i think of uh, of last year yeah something like that yeah um as far as i remember because i was there at, the, at that point <laughs> i got i went out i got asked to go out to 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 work and um before i left they told me you know oh we're gonna open but there's gonna be restrictions but you know you have a job and i got there and they immediately decided that it was just like super hard lockdown and I was like thanks guys um, <laughs> so but yes yeah, so and then I got I when when it started to when you started to need a test um for everything I was just like yeah I'm not I'm not sticking around for this um because nothing was open still at that point there was no bombs yeah. or restaurants I still didn't have a job <laughs> yeah I was just podcasting <laughs> um but yeah the thing that, that concerns me is that like Austria has has now yeah they brought in the lockdown for the unvaccinated but ever they 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 never said that that was going to be the case they started with the oh you can take a test and everything and then slowly they've kind of just like stripped it back piece by piece and the same thing is sort of happening in in Italy um and I'm just concerned that that's where it goes anywhere it gets introduced and I guess my my question then becomes like what is the reason for needing the app like what is the motivation for this in your in your estimation. <laughs> it depends on how cynical you want you okay, want to well, be. <laughs> start, start. Maybe give me the most and the least cynical um, options. Well, I think I think the the least cynical option is that there is just, um, it, you know, because the whole situation is so insanely politicized, and some people just voice their opinion. They have to stick with it, and they just have to basically do something. You know, like it's okay. We still have this problem. It's a pandemic. We, 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 we just can't, you know, like it feels very irresponsible to just do nothing and just, um, let the population kind of deal with it and don't have any like say in it as a force of central control, you know? And so, so this is very scary. And, and because this is very scary and also because, you know, like th there is an emergency, the population in general is looking to, like strong leaders that will do something about it and you have to do something and once this ball gets rolling i think you know it's very hard to change course and just step back and say okay we like we're not doing the app now like we it's like for example let's say we we stop testing you know and <laughs> those kind of things you know and and or like with, with masks for example you know like that's that's a pet peeve of mine because um i still remember when the main narrative was that no one should wear a mask because masks should be reserved for healthcare workers and if you as a dumb citizen try to put on a mask the 
chance is very high that you infect yourself because you don't know what you're doing and you might hit your eye or your nose or what have you and you're wearing it incorrectly and of course you know the reason for all that was that there was a massive mask shortage and people were hoarding masks and buying masks and and so so they started lying straight away you know about the the reasons kind of and ever since you know like the narrative is flip-flopping in terms of do masks work or not you know like in the us we hear now for example that uh, you know no one ever said that cloth masks do any good like they, they never worked you know like <laughs> we've always been at w war with eurasia you know like <laughs> you know 1984 that's very scary that this just can happen and, and people will um say something like that outright yeah and so um i, I think doesn't believe us by the way that that was literally a segment I'm, I'm just making a note to put this in the description so it will be there for anyone that wants to check this out uh, <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm i'm not making stuff up on the no, spot like no, all but, of this actually happened <laughs> yeah but i mean it's it's there's the problem is and i find this is that like there's so much here in this in this area that it can be so easy to miss so many different things and like your people's opinions can be formed like uh, well they are formed based on what they see and because there's so many people saying so many different things on so many different outlets and there's just so much going on i find that you have to like give people as much benefit of the doubt as possible that they are just making the best assumption of what's happening based on what they're getting do you know what i mean so uh, so i try to like make sure that i'm saying look this is just what i'm seeing here is this thing this is what I thought of it. And I find that to be, I find that to be like the best way to approach this, this entire topic because yeah, it's so fraught with, with people like just saying things at each other. It's like, Oh, did you see this? Well, what about this? You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it becomes like a slinging of anecdotes. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, but yes, they did say that on CNN. So, um, description below people check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, that's part of the frustrating thing that um, just most people, I think, just can't be bothered or won't be bothered and just want to be left alone. And so they, they just go along with whatever is being said and they just comply with, with whatever rules are put in place. And I think um, I, I, I missed this in the in the introduction and character, characterization of Austria. I think, you know, Austrians are just very compliant they are not they are not rebellious and i think that's also why um it it went this far you know like if you look at i don't know texas for example you know like it's the chance is lower that <laughs> the politicians would um just out in the open talk about vaccination mandates and actually make it pass you know like it's um you, you would you would probably have a revolt earlier than that and so um yeah coming back to the to the least cynical view of this all. I think there was just a lot of momentum. And once you start doing something, it's again, it's very hard to course correct and switch to doing nothing or doing less, you know, because it's like nothing we did worked. Like that's basically almost worldwide. It's, and, and it's very hard. It's very hard to say that outright because we don't like, <laughs> we, we literally have no control group basically, you know, like it's, there, there are very, very few places um, that did things very, very differently. I mean, there are some, and you can look at that and you can draw your own conclusions. I mean, Sweden would be the, the go-to place in Europe. And, and so, but, but still like the, everyone almost did the same thing. And um, you know, um, uh, it's 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 very hard then to step back and say okay everything we did did not work so we're not doing anything it's it's way easier to say okay whatever we did it didn't work so we we must 
do something even more drastic. You know, we must lock down harder. We must, you know, um, hand out even mo more vaccines, what have you, you know, like we, we must double mask. We must introduce new rules and regulations. Um, like, like we, we just have to be stricter about it all. And as you said before, you know, it was like, uh, um, step by step. And that's just how freedom dies always, you know, it's just uh, millimeter by millimeter. It's, <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, it doesn't matter at what, at what, um, at what like period in history you look back when it, when things got really, really bad, you know, it was always step by step and step by step and step by step. And sometimes there are some outrages along the way. And then, you know, it's like three steps back, but again, you know, like it's, you, we were already so far into this, even if, if we go three steps back now, we are still living in a tyrannical environment basically. And um, I think now that the system is basically in place, you know, like the QR code system and just everyone is used to showing the papers and so on. I think and I would be surprised if it would go, go away very, very soon. And this brings me to the most cynical view of the whole situation. Um, and this, like the, <laughs> I'm not saying this lightly. Uh, I'm not conspiratorial minded. Um, some people that will scroll through my Twitter timeline might disagree <laughs> with that. <laughs> but I'm mostly shit posting on Twitter, so don't don't take everything I post on Twitter too seriously. <laughs> but it's um, um, like I I have reasons to say the things that I say because um, I. I worked in uh, the digital identity space for a long time, and I I helped build out automated systems that deal with passports and identity. And so, what is currently happening? This was planned, like <laughs> the what is currently playing out in terms of like showing your papers and QR codes and also biometrics in the passports and all of that. Um, very powerful people wanted to do something like that for like 20 years, you know, like, and, and you know, that if you, if you watch what changed in the airports, for example, in the last 10 years alone, um, now you have airport systems where you don't even have to show your passport anymore. You have those e-gates where you just walk up and they scan your face and the gate opens magically and you're back home and you don't have to do anything because you're not on a terrorist watch list. And you know, like you're in the clear, your passport is in the clear. And these systems are getting rolled out all over the place, you know, and you also see it sometimes in hotels and like, there are some, there are some test beds of these systems. Let's, let's put it like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, also this is something you can look up and read up and um, uh, like the European union, for example, is very outspoken about this, about uh, building a European identity system that goes across all nations and where you have just one European ID card and this links to everything, you know, like it links to, um, it, it's, it's not that you like currently with separate systems for these kind of things, like for your healthcare, for example, if your healthcare card and you have a driver's license and your, your identity system and you have your bank card and your bank account and so on. And none of like, it is linked in some places a little bit, but no one has all the power, you know, like no one can just deplatform you from life. <laughs> they might can, like they can freeze your bank account or you can lose your credit rating or uh, like um, depending on the situation, like you might uh, lose your access to healthcare or what have you, but they can't do what they can do currently in China. And in China, they have this totalitarian social credit score system where just everything is controlled by the party. And if you are a good citizen, then you will get a loan, you will get healthcare, you can buy plane tickets and train tickets and you can book a hotel room and so on. And if you're not a good citizen, that means like 
you know, like you, <laughs> you cross the street when the light is red or you say something wrong on a Chinese chat app about the political party, then again, you will be deplatformed from life. Then you won't get a loan. You won't get healthcare. You cannot book a train ticket and so on. And so, um, yeah, I think some people would benefit from such a totalitarian system. And this is one step in that direction. And so I think it is one you know, like one should think of the possibility that this is being built in front of our noses. And um, that's what's way more scary to me than any biological virus that is currently circulating. So, yeah, I was just I was just getting up on screen there um, while you were uh, while you were talking to the, the European Federated ID system sort of proposals there. So, yeah, this is it says that they aim to serve 500 million people. So this is definitely something that has been um proposed so this was two th november 2018 um this paper was was uh proposed but i know you're you're, you're accurate in saying that this has been something the european um wide identity system has been something they've been yeah actively trying to get to get um get through but it's obviously been yeah really I, I i i have one example why why i can say this with confidence again like i'm i'm <laughs> i'm cheating a bit because i'm an industry insider you know but for example um we now have a very strict um, requirements how your passport picture has to look like you know like no sunglasses no hat facing the camera very well lit and so on and this is this is this is just to make it easier for the algorithms this is to make it compatible always with facial recognition so that you can automate that and there's also a reason like if you look at your passport right now if you if you get your passport in the last like 10 years or so maybe it's a, a bit longer you have a, a small nfc chip symbol on the front of it and your your passport will contain an nfc chip and all the data of your passport including your biometrics is stored there and, and if, if you don't believe me <laughs> just download the, um i think it's called read nfc or something or read ids i think is what it's called um on android i'm sure there are ios apps as well and you can you can scan the nfc chip of your passport with your mobile phone if it has an nfc chip and you can read out some of the information from your passport very easily and you can't access all of it because uh, some of your biometrics and some other things are hidden away but it's it, it's all there and it's all like this is this is what has been in the works for you know like 15 years plus and uh you know there are some so, some other things um that play into this as well but i think that's that's enough to show that this is not a crazy conspiracy theory <laughs> Anything, yeah. you know, like that's that's actually what is being built uh, in front of our noses. You just have to pay attention. Yeah, and I mean, like the the idea of having like European wide identity card um, that you can use uh, is I don't know. That doesn't seem so crazy to me, right? It's the when the the part like that seems that seems like it's totally fine. No, to me, it's like this is a card that you can use throughout Europe if you want. Awesome, you know, it will be useful for travel like I, I i or even even if it's say linked to your insurance details or i don't know i don't see the problem with this sort of vaguely integrated system the problem is when there's not like walls built around that information and there is no limits to how integrated that system can come with your life and then on top of that where it it mandates some sort of like medical procedure but not just that it's like it's it's mandating your compliance with the system in order to access things and needing that to actually, that's the only physical way to access things. That's where it becomes a requirement for life is, is the part where it's really dangerous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 
um, I, I think we are already, you know, like <laughs> on on this very dark and dangerous path. Uh, it's just that we accepted that we need, you know, a passport and an identity card in the first place. You know, like um, passports were like they didn't always exist. And if you study history, you know, even in times where things were extremely good, like in the Belle Epoque, this was pre-passports. And that's like, if you, you, you know, the, the Renaissance, we didn't have passports, we had free travel without passports. It was enough to say who you are to identify yourself, you know? <laughs> and and uh, like um, passports, for example, were uh, supposed to be a temporary measure and were introduced after World War One, basically, you know? And and so it's, it's we're just, you know, th there's this, <laughs> this saying that nothing is as uh, nothing is as permanent as a temporary government measure. And so like, that's, that's just what keeps happening, you know? And now, for example, we had 9-11 and now airports are just hell, you know, like going through airport security, no matter wh where you are or, uh, except you're when you're flying with private chat it doesn't matter who you are and it's just you know it, it it doesn't have to be this way i i don't think we are more safe from terrorist attacks because of the security theater at the airports and now we just you know like we have this this support like again it's about quote-unquote security you know like we have to know who you are at all times and we have to uh, make sure to surveil all, all your movements and all your financial transactions. I mean, now, now it's even proposed that everything, you know, if you, if you, if you spend more than 600 bucks, then you're already suspicious, you know, like that's, that's what's actually being, uh, <laughs> that's what's actually being proposed and you're laughing, you know, yeah, because no, it's I hilarious, know. I'm, you know, I'm yeah, it is hilarious. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can track all our, all our transactions. You can't stop the, the, the money laundering and the, you know, yeah. the offshoring of, 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 yeah huge amounts of money like you can't stop that but you can monitor all our bank accounts okay okay <laughs> <laughs> and and so yeah i think i think you know you're right that currently if um like if it doesn't target you then it doesn't seem that like suspicious or strange and so on but i i like i encourage all of your listeners to just check out what's going on in china and then you can see where this inevitably leads because and i say inevitably because if there is someone who is in charge and who can deplatform you or just remove you from life or just can freeze your accounts and so on this will inevitably happen and and we see this even in online discourse you know if you if you look what happens um on youtube on twitter on facebook and so on like it's just the, the political climate changes a little bit in, in in those companies you know and and suddenly you're getting completely wiped off the face of the platform for saying the wrong thing showing the wrong image um having the wrong song in the background um you know like having the wrong guest on him you know like it's that's where we are at and um that's where i think we are also heading into um just in real life so to speak you know if you if you wanted to put it in in, in those terms yeah i mean i i i'm not sure the extent to which the general public agrees with this censorship but then i don't know sometimes i i, I say things about about people being removed from twitter and i'm like look does does this person like not like these companies sold this thing where they were going to be the 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 town square of the internet and then yeah. they sort of like rug pulled um all the all the freedom away from it in in the and and they they've like yeah they they apply the rules based on their own political ideology and they kind of get away with it 
in in many ways and people are just like well if, if someone gets removed that people don't like most of the time they're like well you know they they were they they had it coming and it's like what yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. mean they had it coming <laughs> it's like oh well they're a private company they can do what they want and it's like oh okay so now private companies can do what they want oh oh okay i see <laughs> but uh, I want to. Yeah, yeah. Sense, censorship is always fine if it is against someone that I don't agree with. You know, like that's the that's that's the main lesson to be learned there. And of course, you know that's such a that's such a short sighted view of things because free speech is exactly about um, allowing the opinions to be voiced that are reprehensible and that you don't agree with. You know, otherwise we would not need free speech, and otherwise we would not. Like I, I find it so outrageous. Like, for example, with the COVID situation, the, the, the most outrageous thing to me is that the overtone window, like the window of what is allowed to be discussed is so insanely small, you know, and it got smaller almost every day, you know, like, and, and we've, we've seen this over and over again. Like at, you, you were deplatformed and were called a conspiracy theorist when you voiced what is now called the, the lab leak theory, you know, like that, okay, it came from Wuhan. In Wuhan, there is like this, this strange <laughs> bio lab that works with exactly those viruses. Maybe it leaked there. Okay. That's like banned from Twitter for life, you know, and that was like one and a half years ago. And now it's just an accepted uh, thesis basically. And, th and this happened over and over and over again. And so um, we see um, a, a concerted effort of censorship all across the board, not only in mainstream media, but also on, on those platforms and also in society, you know, like if if you, if you and I know personally, you know, because I, for, for one reason or another, I, I was um, on the forefront of this, uh, like, because uh, I just think because a lot of Bitcoiners were very early on, on this stuff. And so, uh, so I knew more, I would say, than uh, my, my peers uh, in Meatspace. And whenever I shared these kind of theories, you know, like it, I, I was immediately cancelled in real life. No one would take me seriously or talk to me. Like I, you know, people look at you funny and you're immediately kind of a crazy person or, or, or what have you. And so this is very concerning because this is always like, this, this is never a good situation to be in to, to um, kind of let this happen. And there, there is this like I, I, I was just reminded when, when, when you mentioned this of this uh, old poem, you know, or this old uh, rhyme. First they came for the communists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for the unionists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. You know, like that's exactly what's currently happening. And funnily enough, with COVID, for example, we see it now that. Um, you know, like everyone ignored the, the, the kind of crazy people that refused to take the vaccine for whatever reason, you know, like, oh, you're anti-vaxxers and you're anti-science and so on. And now, you know, now like six months later or how, however long it is or eight months later, it's like, okay, you only have one jab. <laughs> You're unvaccinated, you know. You're in the you're in the bad camp now, you know. And in some places, it's even now okay. You're double jab. You're not boosted. You're in the bad camp now. And so, so the same thing that that played out in history is is playing out again. And that's like that really gives me pause because um, it's 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 very interesting that we have to. It seems like we as a society have to learn these very hard lessons over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of something that, that Brett Weinstein had said in a, a podcast with Jordan Peterson a while ago, um, got to be at least six or seven years old, and he said that the, there, there are these like latent things in our genetic code or in our the way our minds function that sort of leads us down these roads to, yeah, othering people 
and then proceeding to do increasingly awful things to them. Um, and there are thankfully examples in which that's not been the, you know, we haven't ended up at the darkest road in every, in every case. And in, in quite a lot of cases, it's mm -hmm. not the other way. Um, over the past 50 years, like people who would a bit, you know, a lot of our, our attitudes to, to people have, have liberalized and, you know, that sort of idea that everyone's equal, you know, we're all just people is, I don't know, I, I, you know, that no one's better than anyone else. That seems like the, the, the accepted sort of, yeah, accepted <laughs> feeling of, of like 99% yeah. of the, of the at, world. At, at least it was one, what, yeah, at least, at least it was one and a half years ago or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I hope that at some point we all, I hope that there is so many different levels of, of being vaccinated or unvaccinated. And there's so many different classifications of it that it just becomes impossible to tell who is, you know, what and therefore it sort of just fades into obscurity do you know what i mean i hope that the, the <laughs> yeah, complexity yeah, yeah. <laughs> of it all adds up to a point where no one cares anymore <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean this happened before you know and it sometimes happens so uh, with assigning group identities to people and then these groups splinter and splinter and splinter and then you're back to the individual again you know and then you have to kind of figure out okay every every person is a person um, you know, for itself. And that's, that's also like why, you know, <laughs> we, we, we have this nice German saying like the, uh, it, it, it's like the, the first, um, right in the, in the grand constitution, so to speak. Um, it's, it's, it's similar to the first amendment. Basically it's like the Wurde des Menschen ist unantastbar, which means that, that every, like, your worth must not be, be touched. It's basically, it basically says you're holy and you have a soul, you know, like that's the main idea. Like that's, it doesn't matter if, if you did something horrible, it doesn't matter if you have a horrible disease, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. Like it, like it doesn't matter if you're a murderer and so on, you still have dignity, you still have some dignity and we have to treat people with dignity. And, and, and so I think, I think we have these ideas and these, um, this, uh, also this idea of, of, of human rights and, and, uh, it, it is because of the lessons we learned in the past, you know, like, because as you said, you know, there are certain circumstances where it's very, very easy to vilify and dehumanize people. And once you dehumanize people, that's, that's when really bad things happen. And we see this over and over again, you know, and that's, that's why I was very, um, like that once that started happening in Austria, I was like, okay, we're leaving, you know, like the, the uh, once, once the kind of the, um, and and I'm, I'm not saying that there are evil people on top that orchestrate this, you know, like it, it, it is more like a, <laughs> it might be both things, but there is also, you know, there's at, the, at a certain point, it's like a, um, it's very hard to tell when a mob turns violent, for example, in a crowd, you know, at a concert or what have you. And, uh, and, and so, so there were certain things said where it's like, you know, like th those are the, the, the filthy rats and so on. And those are like the carriers of disease. And, 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 and once you start speaking in those terms, it's like, if you can leave, I would say it's time to leave because, because you don't know where this is going, you know, like it's uh, <laughs> from this to genocide, it might be only like, you know, half a year or a year. And, and, you know, like that's, it, it's crazy to say this out loud, but just, just study history, just study history is, is all I'm saying. You know, it, it has happened in the past and human psychology hasn't changed in any meaningful way. Um, doesn't matter how far back you go in history, you know, all atrocities are, are the same in some sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one thing that I do, um, 
that's like obviously one road we could we could venture down. But uh, I hope that, um, as you say, we we have like human rights and all these things written into constitutions that were never really present um, in in the past when when these sorts of atrocities have have taken place. And I I kind of hope that they they do like genuinely act as a buffer in a way uh, in that there is still within the system a legal way to challenge this sort of discrimination against people and i know it's not been like particularly there's no, every time i see these these things go to court they lose but they don't seem to get to court very often basically um mm -hmm. you know so i've seen i've seen it happen in in america like biden's vaccine mandates for for companies got and for federal employees has been struck down mm -hmm. um i saw the vaccine pass and QR code app thing was declared. Um, I think it was unconstitutional in Belgium. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen so I've seen, I keep seeing these things defeated in in court whenever they get really up to the wire and like it's like okay right you, you know you can't use Twitter to shift and like carve a narrative and you can't just deplatform someone. It's like you're in a courtroom and you mm -hmm. know, you have these these like 70, 80, 90 year old legal precedents that you can rely upon. And that's that's honestly where I hope that we end up. Um, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I hope so too. And 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 that's a very fine, optimistic take. Um, it, it's just that, um, like, if if you are in a precarious situation and you like these these processes take a long time to play out. Like the courts, they mm -hmm. they don't act very swiftly, to <laughs> put it nicely, and so it will take a while for for all all of this to to play out, and and so I think there are certain situations and certain um, windows of time where um, things just co go completely haywire, and uh, of of course you know I, th I I believe in those institutions in the long run. I I think there will be justice in the long long run at least you know like some justice <laughs> and <laughs> like <laughs> i'm saying that because you know like a lot of people believe in cosmic karma and so on and i i do to some extent as well but the world is also a very big and nasty and unfair place and a lot of people get away with stuff you know so <laughs> there's just that as well <laughs> but i no i i trust in in the court system in, in that regard as well i i just i just um to to put another spin on this and and that's it plays in the in the like it's in between the least cynical and the most cynical <laughs> scenario and it is it is just impossible to make sense of the world currently you know and this was also somewhat inevitable because the internet is what it is and it splinters um narratives so to speak you know it's like everyone has a megaphone now and the the corporate media is completely losing control and has been for a very long time and this was predicted by you know uh, um like in, in part by um just network people and computer scientists a, a long while ago you know a lot of people talked about this phenomenon and how it will how it is a, a more chaotic system because it is a network system and, and network effects are always exponential. And so also, for example, things that are ne network, they can oscillate. Like if you find, if you find the right frequency, like in, in some sense, a, a static structure, like a bridge is also a network, you know, it's a, like a, a, a network of, of forces. And if you find the 
find the right frequency, the bridge can oscillate in a way that it destroys itself and that it that you have wild swings in the bridge. Like if you have never seen videos where the, the wind blows into uh, granted old bridges, but they, they are like steel and cement bridges, but but they they will, you know, like they will be like play-doh in the wind. And that's that's a characteristic of of um of just chaotic, highly connected networks. You don't have this in in like a very to pick another example, a very um strict structure in a corporation you know like if you have an old school steel corporation or like coca-cola as it was like 50 years ago so you you don't have a phenomenon like this but if you have something like youtube or facebook or twitter that is highly networked or the internet in general then then you you will have these phenomena where i mean we see this all the time that's why things go viral that's why you know narratives change uh, on a dime that's why also you know some people just move to a different platforms in a flash and also you know uh, i mean new platforms pop up from from nowhere and there are suddenly a billion people on that i mean i know where tiktok was still called musically or what it was called but it took it took this platform i don't know how many users they have it's probably a billion plus but it, it didn't take them you know decades <laughs> so so we live in a very different and strange world nowadays and it's just that the like you said in in the beginning you know like Everyone is saying different things. And I think that's also a very um, Petersonian view of the world that, that uh, he often mentions that there are just too many data points in the world. There's too much information. So the main, like, the main thing that your brain does so that it can make sense of the world is block out everything that is currently not meaningful, you know, and just on a, on a worldwide basis, this is currently not really possible. Everyone is flooded with information all the time and we have no meaningful mechanisms to make sense of the world currently. I mean, with just, no sense just of what is me globally. like what a metric is for what is meaningful because everything could be a useful nugget. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and, and that's also something like I, I view the internet or, or let, let's say social media currently, you know, like, uh, I mean, it was true in some sense before social media existed as well, but no, it was more in the, you know, 24 hour news cycle and so on, but it's like social media currently is acting like the nervous system of your body, you know, and it's like, it errs on the side of overreaction massively it's like you, you stop your little toe on the nightstand it, it's if it's like 2 a.m you just woke up to to take a piss it's like the end of the world for you you know it's like you stop your toe and and it, it, it feels like you, you broke your whole foot or, or what have you and it feels like everything is going to shit right now you know but it's nothing and and that's basically you know like that's social media for you in a nutshell it doesn't matter what happens <laughs> it's like overreaction it's like uh, you know that's what the nervous system does it has to scream fire 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 and if you, if you have a small splinter below your nail it feels like you're going to die but you're not actually dying you know if you have something in your eye it feels like you're going blind forever but that's actually not what's happening and so i think that that plays a large um role in that and and of course you know like you as a human being you know like your frontal cortex knows that this is actually not the end of the world and you will you know <laughs> march on hobble a little bit for five minutes take your piss and go back to sleep and we as a collective have not figured out what to do with this new kind of nervous system that we have you know like i i think we we just we cannot ignore it and it's too addictive and it's too much. And I think that's also why a lot of tech people, you know, like all the executives at Facebook, they don't have a Facebook account, basically. All the executives at, at Apple, they, they don't have an iPhone and they like the first time 
um, their daughters uh, <laughs> or or their, their sons will, will get an iPhone is when they're like 18, you know, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. They, they, they are so close to all of this. They, they know that this is very dangerous and weird technology, so to speak. And we just haven't figured out how to deal with it yet. Mm, I bet the Twitter executives are all on Twitter, though. <laughs> that ch- <laughs> just, I don't the, know. the old one was yeah well yeah i mean <laughs> well maybe not i mean maybe they maybe they're just lurkers maybe then maybe they're not tweeting um, but <laughs> the uh so i kind of um i wanted to go back a little bit then um to this idea of the inevitability of 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 this sort of system um creating itself and sort of yeah continually going further and further and further and further basically was was i think your point you were you were saying and if there's a government with the ability to exploit that sort of power to be able to block people from society based on some arbitrary metric that they decide that they will take that opportunity and this is definitely something that that I, i i've been saying to people i'm like look this this is too much power for one person to have especially when you consider how corrupt I think everyone realizes the British government is like we're on special levels of, of <laughs> like handing out outrageous amounts of money to the the donors and friends of our of yeah the highest members of our government and everyone just being like all right no problem I mean <laughs> I just I have no idea how this happened but anyway um so I I kind of curious as like is 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 that inevitable is that the inevitable end of it like does it have to go there. Because, I don't know, I, I definitely feel like there's a way for us to have some of the integration and the ability to have some sort of digital ID or something, where, but without the necessary requirement for it to be needed for, for you know, access to, to life and that, that people could just, like, get involved with it if they want but, you know, there was no obligation for it. I don't know. It feels like it's a very, it, it feels like I'm being, we're being forced to make a binary choice, basically. And it's like, well, this is it. So, and I'm, I'm curious as to whether, like, your the, the aspect of privacy could play a role in this, in, in giving people back the ability to say, this is how much I want the government or society to know about me. Uh, everyone have the ability to sort of mm-hmm. shudder their, yeah yeah it's uh, it's such a it's such a big and difficult question because it's um there's so so much wrapped up in it it's i I think you you have to do to do something like a system analysis in the sense that how does the system actually work and what are what are the incentives of the system and who actually benefits and who is in power and i think you know there's a lot to be learned from these old wise sayings it's like you know power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and if you start again if you study history you you see this over and over and over again there are people with great intentions and great promises and then they come they they rise to power and then you know like it's just uh, (laughs) those are very exceptional people that can handle power you know like it's uh, power actually does corrupt and and we see this all the time in scales Um, there I'm you go. Be, I'm going to be interviewing this guy um, at the end of the. What, what's the, the What's the full title? It's called "Corruptible: Who Gets Power and How It Changes Us." So it's literally addressing your question. Um, yeah. Like, does it does power change us? And the the answer was yes. Some of the time, sometimes it's the bad people who end up in power. Sometimes the bad people end up in power, and then um, 
get made worse by power or more efficient at carrying out whatever they want. Um, so it sort of walks walks through like that. This is both like kind of true and a myth. Um, but it made me have a lot more sympathy for a lot of the politicians in, uh, in this <laughs> yeah. fight. Seriously, um, it made me think that they're probably not awful people. Do you know? It's it's very yeah. They they are they are all humans after all. You know. Or- you know, yeah. at least have a human form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, well, there's some of them <laughs> that I just think are completely just. I think there's some of them are just lost sight of of whatever good that they were trying to do in the world. Like people like Fauci. I don't. I don't know, man. I just. I. He. he he's gone. But. I mean. I think, yeah. Again, I think. I think you know, it's very similar to once you start doing something, then you have to keep doing that thing, and it's like once you play a certain character in public, you have to stick to your character, and it's like it. It takes a life of its own, you know, like, like he's definitely possessed by the whatever character he plays, you know, like the, the doctor of the world. And I mean, he's saying, saying stuff like, you know, he's representing science. Like he's the face of science currently. And like, those are completely outrageous things to say. And what, if you, if you actually translate what he's saying, it's like saying, I am the face of truth, you know, and whatever I, because people equate science with what is actually true. It's the, the way to find out what is true and what, what, what is not. And so, so yeah, I, I think again, it's, it's, it's just there's again to your point everyone is human including Fauci and I I don't know how what I would do or how I would react or what I would say in in his shoes you know I think it's an I think it's an impossible question you 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 will only know if you are in that position like there is no other way to know and just again historically you know there was like there were were one or two great people great leaders that that gave away their power you know and and they they're far and few between you know like those those are they're as exceptional as the the religious fig- figures we still talk about you know like that's um <laughs> like those people basically don't exist mm-hmm. and so um as far as i'm concerned building systems that have um those power structures embedded in them is very dangerous and we see this all the time i mean you know like just take google you know two very well meaning <laughs> computer scientists <laughs> build a nice algorithm and so on and for the first i don't know decade or maybe two decades um the tagline was don't be evil you know it's just like we are just indexing the knowledge of the world and we want to build an amazing knowledge engine and and we want to make everything accessible and so on and they had to remove the fucking tagline because it's not possible to not be able once you are a like trillion dollar corporation you know like it's it's just absolutely impossible you suddenly have to you know build drone autopilots for the department of defense or what have you you know like no but seriously you know like those are the, the research projects that, that, that google is involved in in part you know and of course you know like now it's an alphabet umbrella corporation it's like you, you can't even count the the subsidiaries anymore so it's they're doing all kinds of things and of course you you um, i mean i think i think it's it's actually great that they removed it because you know like <laughs> it's at least it, it, yeah it's at least somewhat honest you know and and so i think um the, the systems that we sketched out before um with you know the european identity system and so on and if you just look what the official proposals and so on are saying these are systems that put certain entities in control and i don't care who is part of these entities i don't care who is the president of the european union and so on the face the, the, the fact that these like these levers of control exist automatically make these systems very problematic you know like borderline evil because there will always be 
one marginalized group that we don't like for one reason or another, whether it's political or, or religious or what have you, you know, and they will just be completely deplatformed from society. That's that's what you do with those people, you know, and and we, we can see this again, like uh, I know I repeat myself, but we can see this very clearly in China, you know, and there are all kinds of reasons why people are getting deplatformed from life there. And and so it, it is very problematic, but I'm I'm not you know, like I'm not a Luddite, I'm not against technology. I'm also not against those kind of systems necessarily. I mean, for God's sakes, I'm, I'm a Bitcoiner, you know, I'm, I'm into funny internet money and, <laughs> and I, 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 I'm a technologist at heart. And I think there is something, something to, to be said for powerful systems, but they must not have the central point of control and or failure. And for example, we see this now in chat applications and those kind of things. If, if something is, um, end-to-end -end encrypted that's in general better for the population than for the rulers you know like if you can speak privately and you have certain cryptographic assurances that no one can snoop on you no matter who they are not even the company that is running the service then that's a good thing in my estimation you know and bitcoin is very similar like everyone can use it and no one can freeze your account you can always use it bitcoin will always be there for you and it's it's your money that you control but of course you know like there comes a lot of responsibility with those kind of systems as well you know like you cannot call a hotline in case you messed up, for example. And, you know, like that's, they're, they're, they're always, <laughs> I really like to saying there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. And so, for example, um, you know, we zeroed in on some things that in the Western world we consider of highest importance. And one of those is free speech, for example, you know, and freedom of expression and all of it. But in like free speech is, what I'm trying to say is free speech is dangerous as well. You know, as is encrypted end-to-end -end encryption, uh, like uh, encrypted messaging, and as is Bitcoin. You know, like with Bitcoin, you can actually buy drugs online. You can also buy weapons online. You can also hire a hitman and so on. You know, like this, the the the, the narrative that was prevalent like ten years ago, it's only for criminals and dark net money. This is true, but you can also use free speech to write manifestos. You know, and to disseminate hate speech and to incite violence in in other people and get give people really bad ideas, you know, like you can write the communist manifesto and, and publish it, you know, like that's, we have to take those risks that, that, that the solution to free speech is not censorship. The solution is more free speech, you know, it's, it's more discussion and more good ideas and so on and so forth. And so, so I'm a fan of those kind of decentralized organic systems that sort themselves out over time. And I think that's also what we build up in the West, you know, like uh, in the U S for example, you know, we have this, this more or less, free system and we have some checks and balances in place that 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 balance the power out like that was the big idea you know like there's not one entity that has all the power and so i think we can build such systems it's even more diff difficult in in the technosphere you know like in the political sphere it's already very difficult i think in the techno sphere it's even more difficult but i think that's also what a lot of people are currently trying to build you know like there are a lot of people and this is actually what has me very hopeful, you know, like a lot of people realize that we are currently on a very dark path when it comes to Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all of it. And people are trying to build systems where free speech still reigns supreme and where some uh, certain ideals are um, like you have a, a, a guarantee that these ideals are upheld and not only just a promise. And that's a big difference. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And actually, you reminded me there um, of... Um, when you were talking about that, you just uh, made me think of the mass formation psychosis uh, thing that, that 
um, Peter McCulloch and Dr. Robin Malone brought up um, on Joe Rogan's podcast. And um, when you were talking about the dangers of free speech, basically. And when they were talking about the mass formation psychosis, about how, you know, it's an, a time of uncertainty and everything seems chaotic and there's all these problems with no one has any idea to, to you know, what's right and what's wrong and what's truth. And someone comes along and says, hey, I've got all the answers. I'll fix it for you. Like It reminded me just as much of, of how, how Trump came to power because, you know, uh, he didn't end up being dangerous, but he could have been, you know. Um, and, and so, but you know, it's it's like I think I genuinely think that, that a lot of the Trump supporters were the same. Like, there's there was a lot of merits to to Trump's campaign. You know, the stick it to the establishment sort of side of things, mm-hmm. to the fact that he wasn't what they were. But you know, there was a lot of bad things about them, and he didn't yeah. really do like he he had the opportunity to do something about these tech companies. You know, he's four years in there; he could have done something, and he didn't. You know, he, he tweeted and well, you know, like the legs. You know, it didn't. You know, he didn't do anything. <laughs> But the people, like a lot of his supporters are sort of still thinking that he's the Messiah. And and that screams yeah. to me of the same effect that we've seen about, you know, the vaccines or Fauci or, or you know, whoever it is coming to see mm. you from the World Health Organization. Um, yeah. I've seen seen the same thing, which, which again, is like speech is dangerous. Like, you know, the, the people were speaking to turn people against one another in all of these other times in history. But the, the way that it was, yeah, defeated was by people saying nicer things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, 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 but that's the whole point, right? If speech wouldn't be dangerous, we wouldn't need to build, you know, our whole civilization around this one axiom, don't mess with free speech, you know, like if it, if it would be benign, we would not need free speech laws and those and the First Amendment and so on and so forth, you know, like it's, it's like, or, you know, in the Christian tradition, the, the logos, you know, like we figured this out like 2000 years plus ago, you know, that you do not mess with free speech once you once you start doing this everything goes to hell and and so so that you know like if something is <laughs> benign you do not even need to mention it you know and so so i i, I think um i think that, that that is really telling that that we put this emphasis on free speech it is because free speech is dangerous you know but we have to accept this danger because the alternative is worse and in, in terms of of trump you know i think it's it's interesting that um, not much has changed during Trump, but it's also interesting that not, not much has changed during Obama, you know, like in, in the grand scheme of things. So in the end, I think you, you can see this as a good thing in the sense that, you know, no matter how <laughs> well-behaved or crazy a person is, depending, you know, on, on, on your political affiliation, you can flip those labels around. I don't care. <laughs> um, it's, it, it is like, you know, if you have a big ship, like the US is a very big ship and it, it might be smart to, even if you have a president and one who is at, at, at the wheel, so to speak, that he can't do much, you know, like the system has so much inertia that it, it kind of regulates itself somewhat, you know, of course, you know, there's also the, the cynical answer of uh, kind of the, the, the quote unquote deep state and that the president doesn't have any real power anyway. I don't believe that this is true because the president definitely has some real power. You know, I mean, he Trump did some things and Obama also did some things and so on. But uh, I think it, in the US, it's especially interesting because uh, in the UK, like there's there's this element of, you know, the, the, the president, uh, the puppet that we show to the world, you know, and, and in, the, in the UK, I think this is better taken care of because you have the royal family and you have the actual politicians so to speak you know and in 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 the us it's all mushed together in 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 the in the you know like the 
the presidential family acts like the royal family as well. You know, like if you look at how the first lady is reported about and 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 all that jazz. So it's. But what I wanted to say about about Trump in particular is that for me, <laughs> one of the most concerning faces during Trump's presidency uh, during Trump's presidency was when he was banned from Twitter because he was a sitting US president and he was banned from Twitter, which was his main outlet, his main communication platform to the world, you know? And this really tells you, and there was no backlash for Twitter in, in any meaningful way, you know, like it's, it's, there was, I mean, there was some outrage, but that was it. And that really tells you something that, that tells you how powerful these platforms are and how immune they are as well. You know, like that's, if you can do that, if you can, Deplatform the sitting president <laughs> of the free world, then <laughs> you can deplatform absolutely everyone. It doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> and so, so that's something to remember. You know, think of Trump, what you will, but that is really scary. And uh, I say this as a you know Twitter addict, somewhat. You know, like it's I, I still like the platform and I think it's useful and I think it's one of the better social media platforms out there and so on. But still, this is a development that's not good at all. And in now, you also mentioned. Um, the mass formation psychosis, which I, I think I heard, uh, I think it was Matthias Desmet who first mentioned uh, the yeah, term, the who spoke again, I believe. Yeah, who, who, who like if, if you if you don't know what we are talking about, I I encourage you to uh, check out any video, like any interview with Matthias Desmet. I think he did uh, two or three or four, and uh, he he mentions the same things always so uh, it doesn't matter which one you watch i think but it's 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 such a, it, it helped me a lot because it puts a framework around a psychological framework around what what's happening and it helps you to understand and also empathize with the people that are um kind of it doesn't matter in what camp they are because he very specifically mentions those preconditions that you mentioned as well like this free-floating anxiety and no one can make sense of the world and everyone is like you know half depressed and very frustrated and <laughs> and all the rest of it and and so so there are some people um just like regular hypnosis there are some people that are very susceptible to this phenomenon and there are some people that are not very susceptible and so you always have like this 30 percent are like religious believers of uh you know lord uh, fauci 30 <laughs> percent are like you know they just won't don't want to be bothered they, they you know they can go either way they like are neutral so to speak and you have 30 percent uh, dissidents that are just you know stubborn enough for i don't know what it is um that don't um play along with the mass formation and it's it's very much like a, a madness of the crowd kind of scenario in uh, when viewed through this framework and, and it is interesting because he mentions that um in all times when really strange things happened when you know like you you look back at this period in history and and you ask yourself like how could people do this basically like how how could everyone go so crazy it was always these preconditions and it was basically always this phenomenon you know and he also has a very hopeful message that um like even though this is how authoritarian regimes arise it's a very unstable situation to be in and it's like 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 any system if you have to apply outside force 
to it to work, it will self implode over time. You know, like and that's why every totalitarian re regime fails in the end. But of course, you know, like we so have far. some regimes. <laughs> like I wouldn't, I, I still would not wish it into existence because there are some regimes that survive for decades and longer. So, well, yeah, that's it, it's. But it is a, a very helpful framework, I would say. Mm. So, how does Bitcoin save us all? <laughs> you don't know this yet? <laughs> well, I just have your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, where should I even start? Uh, do, do we have another hour or two? <laughs> no, it's like... Yeah, take as long um, as you want, man. <laughs> it's, um, you know, where should I even start? It's... It, it depends... It really depends on how much one knows about Bitcoin. Uh, like the way I would answer this question would depend on how much someone knows about Bitcoin. But from everything that we talked about, the the common theme is that you basically have the state that tries to centrally control what is happening in the world and tries to impose um, its authority upon the population and what what bitcoin we say bitcoin fixes this i mean bitcoin i say bitcoin fixes absolutely everything and of course you know take this with a, with a grain of salt but there is the fact that um money is one half of every transaction and unless you do something out of love or because you're forced to do it with you know a, a, like a gun to your head or because you're enslaved there's only money and money literally makes the world go around like you either do it out of love or you have eco economic incentives to to do something like that's 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 the gist of it and so if the economic incentives are broken and if the money is broken a lot of the world is broken and so when bitcoiners when you hear bitcoiners say outrageous things like bitcoin fixes this or bitcoin fixes literally every problem in the world it is because of those reasons like a, lo a lot of stuff in the world is really really fucked up and it is because um what we call fiat money like <laughs> money that has no relationship to reality anymore um it, it just doesn't work and that's why we see you know like the 0.01 percent and and the rest of us all that own basically nothing and have to be happy anyway according to the world economic forum and there's just this super lead of like 26 people that own more than 50 percent of the wealth of the world and just everything is like i mean for god's sakes if you look at covid for example you have uh, you have airlines that are flying flights empty because um you know otherwise they they won't get their bailouts and they will get their landing permits removed you have cruise ships that are standing empty and that that would go bankrupt and everyone is just getting bailed out it's just like you know great financial crisis all over again where yeah. just the, the the friends and family of the rich and famous uh, they get all the the bailouts and and you know the the, the plebs can can eat the scraps and can just <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> take take the antidepressants and, and and watch tv basically and so um my point is that on on one hand bitcoin fixes a lot of things because it literally fixes the money bitcoin is sound money and it is rooted in in reality again just like gold was you know but gold of course you can't you can't email gold you know you can't transport it over a communications channel you cannot you cannot send it online and and this is actually the the amazing the magical thing about bitcoin that it is it it, it behaves like a real thing and it be behaves like it behaves like a gold coin or cash or, or what have you and it has real value and you you can it you can send it through a communication channel and and the fact that um, no one can meddle with its monetary policy is the most important fact of Bitcoin that no matter how 
what other people try, you know that there will be 21 million Bitcoin in existence and, and, and not a single Bitcoin more, you know. And this is very different from the monetary policy that we have in our world because we have central banks all over the world, you know, we have the um, European Central Bank and the Fed in the US that control monetary policy for, you know, like <laughs> those regions. And they just, as we see with COVID now, the response to COVID, they, they print billions and even trillions uh, of dollars out of thin air. And, and, uh, it's you, you have to think about money printing like there is a nice thought experiment where like let's say everyone has like two thousand bucks uh you know um on on their bank account and then someone snips with their finger and let's double it you know everyone has four thousand now what actually changed is every, everyone twice as rich you you really have to think about these things you know like it's <laughs> when everything is said and done was there twice as much value produced in the world or is it just the same and just the prices went up by double, you know, because that's what, what is actually happening. But the trick of the central banks is, of course, that the money that is introduced in the system is not, is not spread out equally. So, you know, you, it's like you are having a, a money printer in your basement and every time there's an emergency and, you know, like you crash your car or you need an operation or what have you, you just, you just throw on the money printer and you just <laughs> have the money and no one really notices or cares because it takes a while for the money to circulate and for prices to adjust and so on. So there are some, there are some there are very select few people in the world, very high up, like political leaders close to central banks and so on. They do not have to work for money. They can just wish it into existence. And the rest of the population has to do real work to earn money. You know, like that's that's what what money represents. And that's why also Bitcoin is so difficult to understand because you really have to understand money. You really have to understand value. You really have to understand encryption. You really have to understand networks. You really have to understand computer science. You really have to understand game theory and, and all the rest of it. You know, like it's almost impossible to understand for the first couple of years even. You know, like you, you have to study it for years until certain light bulbs go off in your head. And then it's like, oh, wow, now, now this finally makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so... This is what Bitcoin fixes. There is no way to print money. And so in the very long run, all, all the things that we mentioned in, in the first hour of this conversation, they're all financed in the end by money printing because it's not like you, you're, not, you're not taxed at a meaningful higher rate just to pay off the 6 trillion that, are, that have been printed. You know, like it's, it's something like 60% or, or something like that of all US dollars in circulation were printed in response to the COVID crisis. You know, like that's insane. That's absolute insanity, you know? And, and, and this is what Bitcoin does away with in the very long run. And um, I, I say this with some confidence because all fiat monies die, you know, like the, the, the graveyard of fiat currencies, of, of currencies that are not backed by anything, not that are just made up like the US dollar and the euro and, and, and the yen and all the rest of it. They all go away. They all have a, a you know, like a lifespan that the, the average lifespan of a fiat currency is like 30 years or something like that. And the US so dollar far, is like same thing with the regimes <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah, so far. That is that is true. And and there is a there is a dark scenario, like if this if this Western um social credit social credit score system can be established, it will be very hard to get out of it. You will have to wait for the collapse. You know, there there can't be any meaningful resistance. So that there there is a, a very dark path where where most of humanity will be enslaved forever, basically, you know, like it's the, it's the end of 1984. It's like, you know, imagine a boot stamping on your face forever. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I, I don't, I don't adhere to this vision of the future because we have Bitcoin, you know, and Bitcoin, the way it works is um, 
that no one can tell you to not use Bitcoin. Like that's the beauty of it, you know. Like the, to own Bitcoin means just having twelve words in your head. That's all. That's all there is to it, you know. And you you literally, it's, it's like once you understand these kind of things, you realize what's going on here. You know, like it's it's they can imprison you for like thirty years and you still have your Bitcoin. Just remember those twelve words, you know, or remember your 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 password, so to speak, you know. And it's 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 such a a, a powerful construct that. It's it's very hard to make someone else see it to, that did not go through this quasi-religious awakening. You know, it's like I, I I often I often say like, can you can you really understand Buddhism without practicing Buddhism? You know, like it's it, from the outside you probably cannot understand it. You have to you have to go to a monastery and be a Buddhist for like 10 years. And then maybe you understand Buddhism. Maybe not, you know, like maybe that's not, not long enough, but I don't know what the Buddha has to say about it, but I, I, I can absolutely guarantee you there is no way to understand Bitcoin without using Bitcoin, without getting really close to it, without using it for a long while, without having meaningful money in it, without, you know, like losing your wallet and, and recovering it again, without running your own node, without knowing what, um, what consensus parameters are important to you what consensus rules you you run and those kind of things you know and if this all sounds gibberish to you that's perfectly normal you know like that's how it is <laughs> that's that's how it is if a religious fanatic talks you know like that's <laughs> it, it, it only makes sense once once you really um yeah dig down into it and and uh kind of experience it for yourself because otherwise you just have to believe what i say is true you know you um but i i, I encourage everyone to just um yeah, look at Bitcoin with an open mind and also ignore everything else. Like literally everything else is basically a scam. So you will lose your money. <laughs> and it's a funny what? scam, but it's still a scam. <laughs> I actually think that's probably the like, one of the least scammy because the two creators have left, you know, they're yeah. not involved with the I mean, project anymore. So actually, yeah, but it's, me, you know, it's it's just it has simply it has meme value, and that that is uncorruptible. Yeah, but 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 Elon Elon Musk's um, plan of well, making yeah. Dogecoin the world reserve currency will not play out, um, and there there are very good reasons for that. You know, there is there is for example a reason why gold became the monetary standard of the world and not you know tungsten or bronze or what have you you know that there are like monetary realities that are very important and in bitcoin you know this is um hash rate network security those kind of things and uh so yeah well again a word of caution i will repeat it only look at bitcoin stick to bitcoin if you have to dabble in everything else you've been warned you know feel free to get wrecked feel free to burn your hand on the oven and so on but everyone who has been around for a long while will tell you the same thing you know it's just like there's bitcoin and there's shitcoin that's that's just the way it is and <laughs> yeah no and, and that's that's you know I, I didn't make this up this is part of the u.s um congressional record uh so i think senator sherman said that that there is bitcoin and there is shitcoin so there you have it 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 it, <laughs> it left the bitcoin space and is now <laughs> and is now well known in the world so to speak and so in the very long run to come back of uh to to answering the question of how bitcoin fixes this bitcoin makes the individual sovereign again you are in control of your money and 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 money is very important in in those regards you know like because the end of those um social credit score systems is basically 
steering people into behaviors because of monetary and other incentives. And so if, if, if you have fuck you money, if you're a billionaire currently, like those rules do not apply for you, you know, like you hop into your private jet and go somewhere else and do whatever, you know, like the very different rules apply. And you can definitely buy a certain amount of freedom for some time, depending on how things shake out, you know, like if, if, if the global new world order does indeed come, <laughs> then, you know, there will be an end to that as well. But I remain very hopeful. And secondly, the, the, the maybe more important part in the long run is that um, Bitcoin demonetizes the state. And if the Bitcoin thesis remains is that to be your, true... Is that your own quote? Like, or did you steal that from someone? Bitcoin I don't know. This is the state that is just absolutely stunning. <laughs> no, but it absolutely does. I mean, that's very well known in, in the Bitcoin space. I, I don't claim any originality in everything I say here. You know, I'm I'm just I'm ju I'm just the, the the speakerphone of the hive mind here. And no, I just mean it's... just the, the quote specifically. <laughs> it's great. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, no, it it definitely does because, again, you know, um, the state only has two ways to make money and it's through taxation and through inflation and currently the main way to make money as a state is through inflation it's just straight out money printing you know like they they, they literally make money <laughs> out of thin air you know again like i, I think the, the number is something like 60 percent of the us dollars in in currently in circulation were printed as a response to the COVID crisis. And, you know, of course they won't say it out straight, you know, they will, they will call it quantitative easing or Q, QE infinity, or, you know, there's a lot of other financial tricks going on there. There, there are a lot of uh, euphemisms for printing money, but it's all printing money. Nonetheless, you know, it's making up base money. And so this is what Bitcoin fixes literally. And it, um, you know, if the world moves towards a Bitcoin standard so that more and more people and also businesses choose Bitcoin as their money. You can view Bitcoin as like a foreign currency, you know, like you live on the internet and you use Bitcoin. It's just like you live in Switzerland, you use, you use the Swiss franc. And if you go somewhere else for shopping, you exchange a little bit and yeah, you, you know, like if you, if, if you go to Turkey as a Swiss citizen for shopping, you exchange it to some, you know, Lira fun coupons, just like you go into a casino or what have you, and you just play around with it a little bit and you spend it and uh, but it's not your base money you know and and a lot of um bitcoiners are living this already you know like um bitcoin is my base money and i see everything else as you know something to not take seriously and i just use it if i have to buy groceries or what have you and in some places like in el salvador for example we see now states adopting bitcoin as well and you can actually go to the supermarket and pay with bitcoin and i expect this to continue because it's just better money you know and in the end, the better technology will always win out. That's why we are having this call over the internet now, and we are not writing letters to each other. And uh, you know, that's that's just <laughs> that's just how the world works. In the end, the superior technology will win, and Bitcoin is both superior to fiat money and also to gold. Well, what do you make of the Lightning Network? Do you see that as being the way things, the direction that things go, or is there some other? like second layer architecture that's being worked on that you would point to instead? Um, there are some others, but um, I think the Lightning Network um, has proven itself and I think it is the way to go for the foreseeable future. The, the, the thing that one has to understand about Bitcoin is that Bitcoin literally is base money. It is very much like we were on the gold standard 
but we did not send around gold coins all the time. You know, there were gold certificates and so on. That's that's how we ended up in this mess in the first place. You know, like the people started trading the certificates and then, you know, the smart bankers, they just uh, rehypothecated the gold that they had. So they had like, you know, a couple of gold coins in their vault, but they acted as if they had, you know, like hundreds of bars <laughs> and, and no one checked. <laughs> and, and so... Um, and that's also what's what's different now, you know, like Bitcoin is based money, but the Lightning Network is cryptographically linked to Bitcoin. So it is Bitcoin and you're transacting with real Bitcoin, and but it is way faster and it's a way to scale because if you know a little bit about Bitcoin, Bitcoin is like this open, transparent letter of transactions. And so basically what, what this means is that every transaction that happens in Bitcoin is visible to everyone else. So it's like a broadcast system. If you know anything about like networks, that's how, how the internet worked or how networked computing worked in the very early days. And so you have to do things in a smarter way, because if I'm buying a chewing gum at the corner store, you know, like you don't have to broadcast this to the whole world. Like that's, that, that just doesn't scale, you know, like there are so many transactions going on, like every millisecond in the world, it's, it's, it's not even funny. So this, this will never scale. And so we need, but we need this, layer of transparency and truth to make such a system like a, a, a digital monetary system work. And so the way that um, like, like everything else, like also the internet, you know, everything scales in layers, so to speak, you know, the current monetary system definitely scales in layers as well. Like that's, that's the reason why your, your, your visa and your MasterCard takes, you know, like weeks to settle. You know, like the, you don't have instant settlement with credit cards and so on. And, and so these are similar ideas, but they work very, very differently on a technological level. And again, you know, the Lightning Network is directly cryptographically linked to Bitcoin. And it's, you can understand it as like the visa on top of your, uh, I don't know, your, your, your debit account or what have you, you know, like that's, that's, that's not a, a terrible comparison. And the Lightning Network um, is already good enough to onboard a lot of people, you know, and, and again, I, I mentioned El Salvador a second ago and um, most businesses and, and citizens and uh, most uh, companies in El Salvador that use Bitcoin use the Lightning Network. It's like the, the standard, the go-to standard there. And we will see what will emerge, you know, like there, there are some, some other um, candidates, but they are not for end users specifically. They are more in between, like let's call them Bitcoin banks. You know, there are some second layer solutions for that as well. And you know, people are already working on like third layer solutions that uh, build on top of, of Lightning. And of course, you know, there are some interesting, um, still more or less theoretical approaches of of how you could do it differently as well. But I think you know, once you have standards that are good enough so to speak it's very much like building a wheel you know like how many how many ditches of pi do you need to calculate <laughs> it's like you don't have to go to infinity you don't have to there is no 100 perfect again you know there's there are no solutions there are only trade-offs and i think um the bitcoin base layer definitely made the right trade-offs and that's also why it's absolutely winning you know and if you look at historical performance uh, compared to all other shit coins like it's uh, that's why again if there's bitcoin there's shit coin <laughs> there is no comparison <laughs> and the lightning network it might be good enough you know in terms of a scaling solution for bitcoin that can take care of the the vast chunks of all commerce of the world you know like it might be good enough because it is a local solution you know it's very much like cash if i hand you a, a five dollar bill no one else needs to know about it and no one else needs to um, be in between this transaction. No one else needs to just know about it and so on. So, so those local solutions scale very, very well, of course.
grandmas around the world have been thankful for that privacy for a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we were losing it quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, the war the war on cash is a very real war. I was, I thought they were going to go harder at that at some point during the the COVID thing, but it hasn't been that widespread as far as I've seen anyway. Most people still take cash. All it's done is like <laughs> yeah. hoax the last few cash only holdouts into getting a card machine. But anyway, yeah. Um I want to thank you for your time, man. Uh I really appreciate it. Uh, do you want to like point people towards your social medias or work you've got do or you're doing or anything you're putting out at the minute? Yeah, um, as I mentioned before, I'm I'm somewhat of a Twitter addict, so you can find me on Twitter. I think that's the easiest way. Uh, there, G G D E R G I G I, and uh, my handle dot com is also uh, like thergg.com is also my website and I put a lot of my writing there and yeah if you're interested in Bitcoin I wrote a little book called uh, 21 Lessons it's available in I think six or so languages now in print and like a dozen or so online uh, you can read it online for free the audio book is also online for free just check it out 21lessons.com and I'm working on a second book currently which is called 21 Ways and um, I wrote like good chunks of it and I'm releasing it chapter by chapter on an open license uh, that worked very well for the previous book as well so if you want to check out i think i've published two or three chapters already um it's 21waysbook.com so that's all i got <laughs> awesome well that's great i'll put links for everything in the description below but yeah man thanks for the chat it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun thanks for having me Josh. it was a lot of fun indeed <laughs> thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast if you want to leave us a comment, that would be awesome. Please like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for listening.